Welcome to Live Happy Now, the podcast to inspire you to live a happier life and give you the tools to make it happen. This week's episode is brought to you by Momentous Institute, powered by the Salesmanship Club of Dallas and dedicated to building and repairing social emotional health for kids since 1920. This is Live Happy Science editor Paula Phelps, and today on episode 172 of Live Happy Now, we're talking with New York Times bestselling author Nick Ortner about his latest book, My Magic Breath, Finding Calm Through Mindful Breathing. This book is designed to teach mindfulness skills to children, and web editor Chris Libby sat down with Nick to learn more. This new book, My Magic Breath, Finding Calm Through Mindful Breathing, is aimed at children. What was the inspiration to write this book about this topic, specifically targeting younger children? That's a great question. So, you know, three years ago, just right about now, a month ago, my daughter June was born. So it's my first child. And, you know, even when she was a newborn, we'd be reading her books and just getting into that whole world of children's books. And there's some wonderful stuff out there, but I definitely saw some gaps in terms of books that can help kids become, you know, the best that they can be. So, you know, my thinking was I was reading books. One of the inspirations for this particular book was Press Here, which is, if you're not familiar with it, it's it's a book where the kids are actually interacting with the book. It's really cute. You know, they, they press a red dot and it moves to the next page. So the book was an interactive adventure. And I love that book and that thinking. And I thought, well, what if we could do that with mindfulness with breathing, like actually bring it to life. So as opposed to a book that talks about the power of the breath for kids, or do we actually get them to use it and have that physical experience while they're reading it at night? So so that was the inspiration and how the, the idea started germinating and, and bubbling around. So just a quick story, because I have a seven-year-old daughter myself, and when I got this book, I put it into the rotation of bedtime reading with my wife yep. and just to see what the reaction would be, how it would work out. And that was what my wife's biggest compliment was, that it was interactive. She, It was easy for her to do. She felt like she was doing something. And it did. It made a difference. So is that essentially what it was designed to do? That was, I mean, it makes me so happy to hear it. You know, the book just came out, so I'm just starting to get stories and like, I want to know, right? Because mm -hmm. that's what this is about. You know, I wrote the book to hear those stories of people saying, you know what, while we're reading this book over this five minute period, my child was just a little bit calmer. My child shared some of the things that were going on in their day. I mean, that's what some of the feedback that I've gotten already, you know, uh, you know, the experience of saying to your child, how was your day? You know, mm -hmm. and it's like, fine, right? Like it's, you often don't get that much. And also if, if, you know, if your child had something that went wrong that day, sometimes it's hard to get it out of them because they don't know how to express it or they're shy or they're embarrassed or upset. The book, you know, besides doing the breathing exercises, the book helps open up that line of communication. And that's some of the stories that I've heard from people that, you know, they're reading it at night and when they get to the page about, you know, did something happen today that made you sad or mad, then the child starts talking about it. It's almost like the book serves as, as a counselor between the parent and child, as, as a way to open that door to conversation and bring the breathing in. So that make, makes me very happy to hear <laughs> that 
it's doing what it was intended to do. Yeah, and my wife also told me that she would like for uh, my daughter to take it to school. So when she gets into those moments, because I kind of have a feisty seven-year-old redhead. So when she gets into those moments, she can pull out the book and go through it and maybe get back to a calm place. Do you have plans for it to be a tool used, used in schools? Yeah, 100%. You know, we're getting some great initial feedback from the teachers who have picked it up. It works very easily as an exercise with the whole class. You know, the teacher can can read it and, again, start opening up that conversation, opening up. I mean, I think, the, you know, the primary lesson for kids and really for adults, too, I mean, that's the other fun thing about this. It's we're getting adults breathing at night and thinking at night about what went wrong in the day. But the primary lesson behind it all is that we are in much greater control of our feelings and our emotions and our experiences than we think we are. For most of us, I know when, you know, I just turned 40 and I know when I was in elementary school and middle school and high school, there were no tools. I mean, I can't remember a single time where someone said, oh, if you're upset, do this, right? Like, it really wasn't until probably after college when I started getting into personal development and self-help and the science of happiness that I realized that I could actually affect what I thought, that I could affect the world around me, that I could change my reaction to experiences. And it seems so obvious to those of us who have made that switch, but a lot of people believe that, you know, if you're angry, it's because there's a reason to be angry. And if you're sad, it's because there's a reason to be sad. It's because of something that happened and that's just the way it is. This book begins to open the conversation at a really young age to the idea that we can do something to change that experience. So can you explain a little bit why learning about the breath and breathing techniques and how to use it effectively is so important, especially for young people? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, the breath is available to us at all times. It's something that we do every single day and usually without any conscious thought. That's what's really interesting about the breath, that it's, it's done unconsciously 99.9% .9 of the time. And when we bring consciousness to it, when we bring thought to it, then it changes that whole experience. The breath, you know, we think about when we get mad or angry, oftentimes there's shallow breathing. When we're upset, there's shallow breathing. Like we, we don't open ourselves up. So it's part of our, you know, physical system that suffers when we experience these negative emotions. And that feedback loop works the other way. So when we take a deep breath, you know, we all know that when you take a deep breath, it's relaxing in and of itself. It's one of the reasons why smokers have such a hard time quitting amongst many reasons, obviously the physical and the chemical ones, but the psychological ones that, you know, if it's, when they're smoking, they are stopping for five or 10 or 15 minutes and they're taking a lot of deep breaths, right? And they have that ritual in place that says, okay, this is the time when I calm down or I'm by myself or, you know, whatever it is, we can establish these kinds of patterns without all the horrible dangers of cigarettes and smoking. And if we can start establishing these habits in kids early on, and, and it's really a training. Like That's why I think one of the things that's important about the book, one of the things that I hope happens with it is that people read it every single night, because the more you do it, the more that the kids are trained, in effect, to know this is a resource. That means that you know if you read it tonight, the kid might have a great experience, but then tomorrow they're angry and, well, they don't think to use their magic breath. But you do that 10 times in a row, you start establishing those patterns, and the kids go, when I'm angry, I can do this. I can blow it out. I can just stop and breathe. 
So really, we're trying to condition ourselves in a positive way. Most of us have been conditioned in negative ways to act and to react and to, as I said before, not think that we're in control of our life experience. This is conditioning that says we are in control when, and we can change our physical and thus emotional state. So then what are the positive outcomes for mindful breathing, especially for children? Will it improve behavior, grades, that kind of thing? I mean, look, everything, right? And I know it's like the, the panacea and it seems like too good to be true, but improve behavior 100%. Can we, you know, can we stop that angry response, focus, test taking? Like, you know, we tend to think that school is school and the home life is the home life and we don't pay any attention to our kids' emotional lives. And you want to improve test results, put some time into helping kids calm down, feel at ease in their body, let go of negative emotions. That's when they're going to be able to learn. You know, when we think about learning, and that's the point of school, right, is the, the primary focus. So I, I obviously think there should be other focuses. But if we're learning math and science and if a kid comes into school stressed out, what happens when we're stressed as kids or as adults? We enter the fight or flight response. Our, the blood flows away from our forebrain into our arms and legs because our innate native ancient system thinks that we're under attack. So if a kid's mad about something, if his parents yelled at him in the morning, if he's upset about something his friends said, he is stressed. When he's stressed, when she is stressed, they aren't thinking clearly. I mean, literally don't have the blood in their brain to think clearly. And then learning goes completely out the window. And we know this as, as adults. Like, if we're angry about something, you know, Chris, have you ever tried to do any work when you're angry about something? <laughs> you ever tried to be productive when you're angry about something? It's literally impossible, yeah. right? It's like, yeah, we're, it's, we're, it's we're, hard we're to angry. get anything done. Yeah, God. It's hard to get anything done, right? So if we want to improve our kids' test scores and they're learning, we need to focus on them being calm and relaxed. And this is a tool to lead them in that direction. I'm glad you brought up stress because I think sometimes, and actually, it's just not my opinion. I was just reading a study, a recent study about this, about that parents are almost oblivious to stress in young kids. And they feel like they're not paying attention or being intentional or don't understand or don't feel like, what does my child have to be stressed about? But our children are stressed. And what are some things that parents can look out for to, what are some signs of a, of a stressed out kid? Yeah, so it's such a great point. And, you know, look, you can see as parents, we probably look at our kids and go, come on, you know, you don't have any bills to pay. <laughs> yeah. Like, you don't have a job to worry about. You don't have a career. What could you possibly be stressed about? You play all day, you know? Yeah. And we all think back to, boy, wouldn't it be nice to be in elementary school and or to, you know, even be in high school, how easy was life then? So I understand where that thinking comes from, but you're right. Uh, it's our kids are stressed. So look, here, here are the signs, behavior problems, learning problems, bad grades, anything, anything where you go, my gosh, I'm upset that my child isn't doing X or is doing X. Look more deeply and you're going to find stress at the root cause of it. You're going to find that they're upset about something. They're overwhelmed about something. They're unhappy about something. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with our kids. When, when there's behavior problems, there's usually an underlying thing that is causing that. And yeah, just starting to notice that and saying to yourself, is my child stressed? And what can I do? The little things, the breathing, the pausing to reduce that stress. 
I think that's how we fix those quote-unquote problems. It's, it seems like our kids are also plagued today with distraction. Do you feel that mindfulness for children is more important than ever today, and why? Uh, 100%. I mean, they, you know, we're all plagued with distraction, as we well know. I can't, not being a child in this era, I can't imagine what that experience is like for them. You know, I keep thinking back to high school, and look, high school was tough enough, and middle school was tough enough, and now you throw social media in the mix? Like, my gosh, I can't, I can't imagine being on social media, and you know, you see kids as young as middle school on it, and seeing that all your friends got together to do something and you weren't invited. At least we had the ignorance when we were in middle school, or... But yeah, things are coming at kids so quickly in so many different directions, and there's so much distraction that we just frankly need better tools. And this is, it's become more important than ever. You know, maybe when I was in elementary school, I'd go play out in the woods for four hours, and that was meditative and relaxing in and of itself. We didn't have to have this, you know, concrete practice. But that's just not the case for kids now. So I think it's, like I said, more important than ever to help bring these tools in so they can change their experience of life. So my magic breath, what age is it designed for? And design is a good word because actually the illustrations are really nice in this book. Was there a thought process into getting the right illustration for this book? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, that was really important to me. It was actually illustrated by one of my best friend's wives and and she's incredible. And we worked through a lot of iterations to to bring the color to life, you know, it's kind of interesting. How do you bring a breath to life? And I think the illustrations do a nice job of showing that movement. So that was important. The age range, you know, so my daughter's three right now, and we read it at night, and she does the inhaling and exhaling, and she has fun blowing out on the page. When I asked her if she had a sad thought that day or read that part, she's not quite connecting with that yet, though I'm seeing signs of it. And I would I think it's important to do it then, right? So even if, you, if every single page in the book isn't geared for a three-year-old, it can still begin that practice and make it something that they look forward to. And then I think it really shines when you're you know, talking to five, six, seven, eight, nine-year-olds. My, my nephew is nine, and he loves it, and it's fun and simple, but it opens up a conversation. So, And look, I'm sure some high school kids could read it and uh, and gain something. One of the things that I hope happens, as I mentioned earlier, is that the parents take this time. You know, we, we tend to be so outward focused and we think, okay, we got to fix our kid or there's this wrong or that wrong with our kids. And our parental energy has such an influence on our kids. If we're stressed, they're stressed. End of story. They just pick it up. It's just the way it goes. I'm sure you've noticed that yourself, like how much your energy and your attitude has an effect on your daughter. So if we're taking those deep breaths at night and opening ourselves up to these thoughts and ideas and being more mindful, then that's going to help our kids. Yeah, that's great. This has been great. The book, My Magic Breath, Finding Calm Through Mindful Breathing. I assume it's available now in all bookstores and Amazon and stuff like that. Available now everywhere. Yep, Mm -hmm. absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head when you said it opens up the communication. I think, in my opinion, sometimes When you're parenting, that can get lost because lives are busy and anything to get back to communicating with your child and having another tool to do that is great. I urge everybody to check out My Magic Breath. It's great and it's fun. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. All right. 
That was Nick Ortner, author of the children's book, My Magic Breath, Finding Calm Through Mindful Breathing. We'll be back in just a few minutes to tell you how you can learn more about this book. But first, we're introducing a segment called On a Happy Note. It's designed to introduce our listeners to musicians who are using music to make the world a happier place. Today, we're talking with Daphne Willis, a Nashville-based recording artist who is using music as her platform to talk about mental health issues. One of the things that makes your music so unique is that you write about mental health issues, but you do it in this really empowering way. Can you talk about what made you go down that path? Sure. I mean, I've battled with mental health issues pretty much my entire life. I've also, you know, got family members that that battle with with things like that. I think that, you know, the more people I talk to, the more I realize that everybody has, you know, if they're not themselves battling something or dealing with some kind of health, you know, mental health issue, they know somebody who is or there's somebody in their family who struggles. And so that to me is such a human aspect. It's just part of the human experience to me. And and those are the kinds of things that I think I gravitate toward in what I listen to and, and what, what I listen to when, you know, I'm listening to music for, you know, motivation or, you know, for working out. And so these topics, I think, you know, are just very important to include in music. So I try and do that. Well, there's a certain boldness too, in being able to say, this is my, I have mental health issues. I've struggled with depression or I have anxiety. There's a real boldness. You know, it's one thing to acknowledge it to yourself, but to, to really put it out there and, and all art is, is vulnerability. But was that intimidating at first or has it been really natural for you to be able to do that? Yeah. And it's taken me a while too. you know, like I've always been a mental health advocate, but I haven't really publicly released music that has really, you know, dove really far into the subject because, you know, like you said, it's vulnerability. And I think it takes time. I think you have to be comfortable with yourself. And it's taken me a long time with the stuff that I've been going through to even like get to the place where, you know, you and I are having this conversation right now, you know, like it, it just takes time and work. And, you know, I think the more work I do, the better I feel. Also, I released a song in February called Somebody Someone. And that was a huge kind of eye-opening experience for me in that that was the first song that I really, you know, that I released that was like really dedicated to that cause, to the cause of mental health. And it was a really vulnerable moment, but it was also like the floodgate, you know, that opened. Like it was completely overwhelming. I had no idea people were going to (laughs) respond that way. And, you know, it was for me like, it was a really vulnerable, you know, naked moment for me. So I was like, you know, I put literally like freaking out when I pushed the button to post it all, you know, up on the internet and just put it out there. And then literally within like a month, it was like up to, I think, 5 million views. And we kept getting all these stories from people who were connecting with the message and wanting to share their story. So we ended up making a support group for some of the fans that really wanted to connect with one another. So it's turned into like such a beautiful thing, you know, both for me and I think for for the new fans and people who are, have been introduced to that song. It's like your music has become this mission that, that has a life of its own and it's taking on its own identity almost. It does. And it's, tur- you know, like for me, it's taken me to the place where I view it more as like, 
you know, it's almost like it's part of me and it's, but it's also like for me, like I, I benefit directly from, it's basically changed the way that I look at releasing music to being like this platform for me to release my own feelings and my own kind of stuff into the world. And it's helped me grow in ways that I never imagined it would. And it's also strange because I'm more connected to it, but I'm also kind of disconnected from it as well in that I almost feel like, you know, it's just given me such more, uh, such a purpose, you know, as an artist, right. I really feel like I've connected with a purpose and that it's not just for me, you know, it's, it's for all these other people too. Yeah. So even though it's personal, it belongs to everyone. And right. It's, it's more like the music is like a vessel for yeah. things, you know? Well, one thing that's so, so exceptional about your work is that you approach these tough issues, but it, the song feels really upbeat, you know, it's not, we're not listening to, you know, nineties grunge. It's, it's a really <laughs> upbeat kind of feel to it. And you feel, right. you actually feel good as you're listening to the song about depression or, you know, mental illness. It's, it's so, so how are you able to do that? Well, I think for me and the whole, that's the whole point, you know, for me is that all these things have, have such a dark shadow cast on them. And certainly I think, you know, we all can kind of agree that there's just this massive stigma surrounding those issues in general. So to me, it's been the most helpful for me to, when I'm thinking about these things, when I'm working on them in therapy, whenever I'm out and about in the world, like to just be positive. And the power of positive thinking is tremendous. So I'm trying to always be implementing that into these subjects because while they are difficult and often, you know, sad to, and heartbreaking, it's part of life. It's part of like the human experience. And if you want to overcome them, you need to maintain a positive mindset. That's all for this episode of Live Happy Now. Be sure to visit us at livehappynow.com to learn more about today's guests, Nick Ortner and Daphne Willis. If you like what you've heard here today and want to hear more, go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite podcast. Search for Live Happy Now and subscribe today so you'll never miss an episode. And of course, as always, we're going to give you a special gift today just for listening. If you go to the Live Happy store at livehappy.com, you can enter the promo code PODCASTDEAL and get 20% off anything and everything in the store. Special thanks today to the Momentous Institute for bringing us this episode of Live Happy Now. Momentous Institute's 7th Annual Changing the Odds Conference will be held September 27th and 28th at Omni Dallas Hotel. Visit MomentousInstitute.org to register and find out more about the panel of education and mental health experts you can enjoy at that conference. That is all the time we have for today, so please join us back here next week. And until then, remember to make every day a happy one. Happy one.